Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome in to underground sports philadelphia episode number 282 kb and matt coming at you live from underground studios we both are matching hardcore again with our mics we got our boom stands thanks to our amazing local sponsors for allowing us to uh continue to upgrade underground studios and make this uh operation look and sound as legit as possible uh and this show wouldn't be possible Without Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, who just recently re-upped with us. <clears throat> so very thankful for uh, Mark Ronchetti and his crew that do a fantastic job. They take care of our taxes year in and year out. So big thank you to Mark and his team. And of course, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And then, of course, <clears throat> you see me wearing them every single show. Our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best blue light glasses on the market, a quality product for an affordable price. Check out our friends at TomahawkShades.com. And when you go to check out, use our promo code USP. It's going to save you 25% off your entire order. And then, of course, all orders right now, $75 and over, qualify for free shipping. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. And then, of course, support for Underground Sports Philadelphia is brought to you by our amazing state-of-the-art quality friends over at Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped, they prioritize in a product that is going to just take care of everything going on down below the waist and offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, and that's why they've redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Guys, when I tell you this is premium, I mean it's premium. The battery in the Lawnmower 3.0 is going to last you up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology is going to allow you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're checking out this podcast right now, either live on twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI 
or checking it out on the audio version of the pod. I want you to experience the Manscaped experience firsthand for yourself. Go trim that junk of yours and get 20% off plus free shipping with our code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Shout out Manscaped. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. Living the dream. We are uh, we are indeed out here. It is Veterans Day, so thank you to uh, all the amazing humans who have served our country and allow us to uh, host this podcast, keeping us safe and everything. Um, the Sixers, though, continue to divide the fan base, <laughs> and this time it's not even with what's on the court. Yet, it's the City Edition jerseys have uh, caused quite a stir because everyone was expecting, us included, wrote a blog post about it on undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, teased Allen Iverson with it, Chris Heck, changing his profile picture to Allen Iverson for all of about 24 hours until he realized that everyone was getting hyped about the potential return of the 2001 black uniforms and then swapped it over to Ben Simmons in the black all-star game uniform. And these Sixers have uh, unveiled their new City Edition jerseys. And if you're watching on Twitch right now, you're seeing a slideshow of them behind Matt and I. Uh, but Boathouse Row is included. They they did tease Boathouse Row in the uh, the social posts that they put out for the uh, the jersey release when they uh, had them you know illuminated and then just going completely blacked out. Uh, but these are the jerseys that allegedly Ben Simmons helped design. And, uh, these will be the Sixers 2020-2021 City Edition jerseys. Yeah, they're, um, they're not the worst. They're just very not living up to the hype. I think the one coolest aspect that we've talked about that we both like a lot is feature of, like, the Boathouse Row. Because that's, like, a really, I think, underutilized, kind of unique aspect of Philadelphia. Like, that just never... Like, you know, we've seen so many Liberty Bells and stuff, and that's obviously cool. And, like, Ben Franklin obviously is using, like, an alternate logo. Like, all the kind of stuff you'd expect. Or even you've seen, like, art museum steps used or, like, things like that. Like, Boathouse Row is pretty unique to Philly, and I think it's a cool cool part of uh, the city. And I'm glad it's getting kind of, like, recognized in this way. I like the way that looks, but the colors are a little off. Uh, and when you're expecting, like, something akin to the 2001 jersey and like a little bit of a throwback like that to have this is a little off i don't know it's a little off the mark for me and yeah i don't really like the black with the uh the blue and red trim that's just not a great color scheme to me it very much like the first thing i thought of when i saw it was like that's just the clippers jersey it was part and, of doc's contract yeah that he said if i'm coming i gotta bring the clippers uniforms with me which, you know, fine, I guess. Um, they're not <laughs> offensive. I don't hate them. And they're not, like, you know, we've had, like, the City Edition in the past that was, like, just the promo for the Rocket movie, essentially. Yeah. It's, like, that sucked. And then um, they just made the the earned version a white version. Yeah. It was the same exact jersey. So, they're at least, you know, the one thing Unique. I can... Yeah, they're trying something, which I, I appreciate. And I'll always, uh, always like the effort. And I think there's something there. I just think the color scheme's off. Um I would love this. I'm a big fan of all the cream stuff that the Sixers have done over the years. If this was like in a cream with like blue and red trim and like the boathouse row and like either blue or red, 
I think that would be a hit. But as it is, it's not so bad. I think it'll look good on, you know, if they make like t-shirt lines or anything or any kind of like apparel out of this. Um, but yeah, it could be worse. But it, there was just so many more different expectations. And when you have like, when you tease Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. this is like, I don't... I don't know. I don't know how you tease Allen Iverson out of this jersey. Yeah, I think that was the one thing that annoyed everyone was you, you build up all this hype, you know, leading up to the jersey reveal, and then you tease uh, a silhouetted Allen Iverson, have him tweet out, you know, keep your eyes peeled later this week, and everyone's getting stoked. Like, they're ready for a 2020, you know, modern style of the 2001 jerseys you know I I saw a lot of tweets uh shout out to Dario Sharkic uh on Twitter they uh redesigned the 2001 kind of like the 76ers logo cropped out you know and and got rid of the the chrome metallic coloring in there and just made it red and blue and it looked super clean um and that's kind of what I was expecting was kind of getting a modernized version of uh the 2001 jerseys, like you said, the boathouse row part, I think is super unique. It's different. It's a different, uh, side of the Philadelphia area that's getting shown off. I know a lot of people are making, you know, rowing and and crew team jokes about it, but, uh, I think it's a pretty cool aspect. And if they do something, you know, for, you know, the holiday season and end up making it, you know, putting like Christmas lights on them or something for just the game jerseys and then auction them off or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. I think the one thing that threw me off with them is the font just doesn't match up with like the stencil of Boathouse Row. It's kind of a, you know, just simple line outline of Boathouse Row. And then you have like this big modernized popped out. It's it's like a heading on a newspaper. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's got the, you know, the the outline in blue and everything and it kind of just threw it off a bit and I think the number which is if you have seen the jerseys you know where it's placed I think if it came down a little bit more it would look better and then we were talking before we started recording there's like a a reflection kind of of Boathouse Row that's supposed to simulate like water and then they have Philadelphia and then on the back the the player's name plate is overlapping the the water ripples and i think it's just very clunky was the uh the one thing i saw thrown around a lot myself included on twitter um but a nice little homage to trust the process in boathouse row as well with the lining definitely some uh some little hidden gems in there which is which is nice but yeah overall i think it's not going to be the worst jersey of the last few years um Sixers jerseys have largely been like just inoffensive, not like amazing, but not gonna like not a jersey that you won't ever want to buy for yourself and wear or that you don't want to see in our TV. So, you know, this is another one that it's it's unique. I like that they're trying something new, but I think it's just off the mark a little bit. Yeah, and I think the the one overwhelming positive was everybody absolutely loves the shorts. Shorts look great. Hopefully, they sell those because they seem to be what everybody wants. Um, and I will admit, you know, they sent out a bunch of care packages, which I mean, not sure why we weren't on the list. We got prime real estate, Chris Heck, um, right on the wall behind us here to display one of these bad boys. Just let us know. We'll send you an address. It will make it happen. But seeing them not in like a, uh, a photo shoot setting, I know 
Casper from the Union got sent to Jersey, and a couple other people did as well. And when they put them on, they sit very well, you know, on a body. So that also uh, kind of made me lean and, and had them grow on me a bit. Is you know, it doesn't look as clunky when it's not in like a photo shoot fitted type of setting. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be fine for casual wear, but I don't know if I'm breaking the bank. That's what I think. <laughs> I'll just save my save my money. They also revealed what the court is going to look like. Uh, I like the trim of the court with the red and the blue, kind of the black borders on the outlines. The one thing that kind of threw me off, though, was just the, the, the paint being just flat out black. It looks like somebody just took uh, Microsoft Paint and was like, okay, dump it right there. Or, you know, just took a Sharpie and outlined it. It, it just seemed very uh, odd placement for, you know, something that could have been just highlighted or outlined in black maybe, or you just add a little bit something different to it, but just the flat-out black square was a little odd. I think that might be because they're anticipating no fans, so it's probably easier to make it like, you know, they're like presenting the stadiums with like the banners and stuff of the seats. That probably makes like the silhouettes easier mm. to like – Make it not look like an empty arena, you know, like make it like because, you you know, like when there's like uh, they do like college basketball games in like big arenas and there's like it's very obviously like on a stage and it, like it's a little jarring. I think they don't want it to look like that where you can very clearly tell it's in an empty arena. So the black might help there at least. That makes sense. Um, but overall, I mean, I don't think it's a, a flat out miss. I also don't think it's a big time hit. Uh, we have breaking news, NBA-wise. Russell Westbrook has requested a trade from the Houston Rockets, and we were going to get into that <laughs> as well uh, because we had the news today about how James Harden and Russell Westbrook were not sure about their futures in Houston, Chris Paul potentially being a Phoenix Sun. So a lot of moving parts potentially in the next uh, you know coming days as the trade deadline or you know trades open up in the NBA and offseason moves can start to to be made and free agency starts. But interesting one right there is Russell Westbrook requesting a trade from the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and there's also reports now that uh, Chris Paul and the Clippers, there's mutual interest on a reunion. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there's in the next few days, we're probably going to see um, some big shifts in, in personnel. And I think, you know, Westbrook wanting out is – probably an indicator that Harden himself might also want to leave um and obviously very clearly what's going to happen here and it's already been happening since Daryl got hired here is there's going to be tons of links of him to Philly but um I don't know what you're going to have to pay to get James Harden but I do know that we don't have it <laughs> and I do know that there's probably better offers and packages out there um because really what we'd be giving them is like you know you know, either Tobias or Horford, and we don't really have like tons and tons in the way of picks. Um, obviously, the Rockets have hemorrhaged and mortgaged their future uh, going forward. They don't have a first round pick of their own until like another three, four years, I think. I don't know the exact date, but yeah, they're a team that could definitely use use assets. And um, yeah, so if, if Westbrook's wanting out, I think you'd have to imagine Harden. He may not make it formal, but you know, the fact that there's a report earlier today that they are both unhappy with the direction of the team and they have a right to be, um, you know, I, I think right now that team looks very right. And I feel bad for Rockets fans too, because um, they've always had fun teams and they were very close two years ago. And now it's pretty much all falling away from them, which just sucks to see. But 
we'll see where uh, where everyone lands. Harden would obviously be amazing here, of yes. course. I just I think that is just such a it's such a pipe dream. It really yeah. is. But who knows? I mean, sometimes you know, and, and we've talked about this before that uh, these star players sometimes go for a little less than you'd expect. You, it's very hard to get like. You're not going to get someone of James Harden's caliber back. You're not even really going to get a prospect or an, an asset that's in like a similar kind of covet range. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. I think what might be more interesting is, you know, if you're selling Westbrook and Harden, what that could mean for other pieces on the Rockets. You know, that might be where the Sixers start garnering some interest in and start making maybe moves around the edges. I think I would, I would just be shocked if we pulled a Harden trade, but you never know right like it's just that's just the way it can go crazier things have happened just like uh jim adair's trade machine that uh <laughs> netted the sixers more wins than uh there are games played uh he made a three-team trade go through successfully with the sixers rockets and bucks that brooke lopez and james harden come to the sixers the rockets would get uh former sixers great ersan Ilyasova. Eric Bledsoe, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Zaire Smith, and uh, 2020 first-round pick from the Bucks via Indiana. And then the Bucks would get Russell Westbrook and Ben McLemore. And that would net the Sixers plus 39 wins <laughs> in projections. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be quite the move by the Sixers. <laughs> I think we'd also have to give up a little more than that. But I agree. You know, I, yeah, it's when you start having to break up the three-team trades and you have, like, that's yeah, when you dozen, know it's getting sus. A dozen players involved. I think that's when it gets, um, again, like just into really like wishful thinking. Uh, not that it can't happen because honestly, the NBA every year has surprised us with crazy moments and big trades. So of course it could, but I would not be like, I would not be refreshing my Twitter feed waiting on James Harden to the Sixers. Um, but obviously crazier things have happened. Yeah, I mean, just two years ago this week, we were live when Jimmy Butler was acquired by the Sixers and it kind of came out of nowhere. So, I mean, anything I think is on the table and, uh, you know, you talked about the Rockets, you know, not having assets. They also don't have a Daryl Morey of their own anymore. He's ours. Um, and Sixers Adam just tweeted like five minutes ago that Daryl's been gone for five minutes and Houston's imploding. Um, and I mean, Daryl Morey's a guy that, is notorious for making moves that just shock the league. He's that type of guy. We talked about it last week where the Harden trade to Houston, getting him to Houston was a trade that doesn't get talked about enough that kind of reshaped the landscape of the league. And it's it's one of those things that Daryl's notorious for with the way that he approaches the game analytics-wise and just how he uses every avenue of data to make a team better. And I wouldn't put anything past Daryl Morey at this point, knowing that this is a new challenge for him. He sees the talent in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, wants to make it work with those two. And I think he's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the Sixers become a champion under his watch. Yeah. You know, he's like you said, he's made big trades and those are like the big, those are the big bullet points on his resume, right? That he's kind of had these like very flashy deals. But again, I think where he finds most of his, most of his success and where having a guy like Daryl Morey is going to win you championships for the most part is like his 
on the fringe moves, like these guys that maybe you've never even heard of or that seem like they're just going to be role players that just fit the system very well. Like, I think that's how you do it, especially when you already have talent here. Um, again, I just think adding adding another piece of mix is just, it's all types of impossible. <laughs> yeah. hey, you know what? If you're watching on Twitch, it's, it's fate. Oh, yeah, it is fate. It is fate. I... That's very true. Michael J. Got to show it off for the people. It's it's a beautiful piece of art. It's just simply fate. Right here. It's we could throw a little a little Sixers shirt right underneath it. Bound to happen. If if this happens, we'll hang the Harden up. Absolutely. In the studio. Absolutely. It's it's. It's one of the, you know, support your friends and support the guys that are on your squad. And if James Harden is here, it's got to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think, too, like, this is just a, a sign that um, the Rockets are obviously, like you said, imploding. And you think of what they gave up last year to get Russell Westbrook. And, like, I it's just, it's struggle city, I think, in Houston right now. That's, that's a really difficult situation to find yourself in and you're a fan of that team because... I don't know. I mean, they they just constantly, whether it's like incompetent coaching and with the Texans, right, or now a really bad owner, like they just cannot get a break. The Astros. And, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> you know what? I, maybe they deserve it because a lot of them. Were it's like, Astros karma. Yeah, maybe this is just Astros karma. I don't know. Hope you really enjoyed that World Series. Everybody <laughs> who didn't hear me too, that wasn't watching on Twitch and you're listening to the audio, we have a huge giant James Harden painting from one of our good friends um, that is here in the studio in a Houston jersey. And if James Harden somehow ends up a sixer, it'll be hanging up somewhere on this wall at some point because that will be a cause for celebration to have Embiid. You would assume Ben Simmons because the way that Daryl has talked about building this team, it's, it's with those two at the forefront. To have those three guys on one roster is just crazy to think about yeah and you you're talking about barreling towards an all-star team almost at that point <laughs> when you have uh those three names and you know obviously too i think one of maury's constant agendas i think this is the the move and the philosophy of all gms really is you want to be acquiring as much talent as possible um so obviously i mean if you have the chance to get james harden on your team like you, you should probably at least make a phone call or two but um it's it's definitely interesting and i We'll see. I mean, the draft is next week, um, and there's already rumors about trades on draft night and stuff. There's been rumors for months about guys, you know, teams moving up and out of positions and all this. Um, so maybe even you know, draft night next week is is where you see some of this stuff maybe shake out. Um, you know, where teams can get more solidity and and clarity on like where they're picking and who their guys are. You know, give themselves a week to kind of make those make those calls. But yeah, this is a uh, this is what the NBA does, right? It's it's a it's a full season, three hundred and sixty five day season because it's it just constantly, constantly churning out news and entertainment. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if we touched on this or not, but the the rumor that the Pelicans are shopping Drew Holiday, a lot of people started talking about that because essentially Drew is on uh, an expiring because he does have the the option, but. I believe it's a $25 million option. If Drew has another good year, you'd assume he would opt out to try to get his final, you know, big contract. And then 
there's talks of, you know, packaging Drew with J.J. Redick, and I just don't know why the Pelicans would go to the Sixers for a trade like that when they can clearly get better value elsewhere for Drew Holiday alone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, if you're trading with the Sixers, you pretty much know the two pieces that you have to be willing to accept onto your team, and that's one of Tobias or Horford. Um, just because pretty much of our cap situation, it's going to be very hard to make any trade, any notable trade, really, uh, without those two guys at least being in the discussion. And even then, you know, like any sweeteners we throw in the deal aren't like home run guys. Like Matthew Seibel is like probably our best tradable asset that isn't, you know, Tobias or Horford. Um, and even then, he's not like a huge, he's not a huge piece, mm-hmm. right? Like that's someone that obviously uh, you'd like to have on a team, but isn't a great like throw-in guy um Zaire Smith is like still pretty much a huge question mark when it comes to the NBA he's played a meager amount of minutes I feel like he's just he's constantly MIA at this point like we're never really sure what his status or condition is um maybe you know this year we'll get more clarity on that we'll see him back in the fold but yeah it's not like this team is like overflowing with with um you know assets with which to move here you know that was two or three years ago sure but now that uh, the cupboard's dry a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, the way that alleged and rumored trades were coming out just today alone on Wednesday, I feel like there's potential for things to pop off, like you said, at the draft or you know, as soon as that trade window opens up. We could start to see a lot of movement that could be, I don't want to say unprecedented movement, but a lot of deals that could shock a lot of people, I'd say. It's also all going to happen very quickly yes. because, you know, we're used to like, okay, so draft night is usually a month and a half before free agency. And free agency, the first day especially, is kind of just a whirlwind of, of tweets and, right. and deals being signed. That's all going to be condensed. That entire window is going to be condensed into like three or four weeks, you know, like, and it's just going to be kind of constant shifting and trading. Like right now, I think there's, um, pretty much a moratorium any like moves because I think they're still ironing out like the CBA deal for this year so I don't know that they can even make any mm-hmm. trades right now I think there's still like a, a waiting period on like the 15th if yeah. I'm not mistaken so you know like so there's Sunday so there's gonna be kind of just a, a, a breaking of the dam moment where all these things start just happening and, and changing and uh, I mean we have to get through the draft first <laughs> before we can even think about that I think but yeah it's gonna be it's definitely going to be a very insane, you know, two, three week period where you have what used to be like two and a half months worth of content in a much shorter window. I think the the other interesting thing that's going to happen since the draft free agency and everything are so close together and the Sixers team does need cheap, you know, reliable talent. It, I think the, the interesting thing will be what do Daryl and, and Elton do with that OKC pick? So, I have some names that um, we let should... it be known. Matt predicted the Matisse Thibel pick. It's true last year before which w- Elton tipped his hand. It was it was a pretty it was a pretty uh, gifted pick. Yes. I feel I feel I I can't take a million points of credit for that. But yes, take half a million. So here here are just some names. To keep in mind, and also keep in mind that this draft is unprecedented in its terms in in terms of like unpredictability because. The Warriors are picking at number two. That's a team that's like not really a lottery team that's not picking there. The Timberwolves themselves as well is also like not really the worst team in the right. league. 
Like there was already like weird stuff during the lottery that shifted some bad teams out. And also there's not a lot of like top end talent. There's no even like clear consensus number one. And there's guys that you will find on, on different analyst boards and, and draft boards that are lottery picks to some people and that are going the late first or early second to other people. Like, there's genuinely um, not a very clear picture, consensus, or idea of where a lot of these guys are going. So draft is going to be interesting for lots of reasons, one of them being just seeing where these guys actually end up. But here are some names just to keep in mind for the Sixers. Of course, some of these guys might go earlier. Some of these guys might even be like more second round picks. It's hard to say. But if I think if any of these guys are available at 21, these are guys that, that the Sixers will obviously be interested in. Um, in no particular order, but starting with what I think is one of the more likely candidates, uh, Desmond Bain. He's a senior coming out of TCU. Very much fits the mold of what we've done the last two years with our first round picks where we go for like the high floor guy with potentially a lower ceiling that's just going to be able to come in right away. And I think there's two philosophies that you always see with drafts. And I think you're going to see one probably more important this year. The two philosophies are your seniors coming out of college, right? That are just going to be able to give you valuable NBA minutes right from the start. Can be able to fit in well and just give you like a good buffer, a good floor, but they're likely not going to develop into like top end talent. It's it's more common to happen in like an 18 or a 19 year old. Um, or you go for the the project player, right? Like a guy that is probably going to be good from the start, but you know is going to need a few years to develop. You have them for for much longer if you're drafting them at you know 18, 19 years old. That's obviously the benefit. Knowing that the season is likely to start in a month and a half. It would make more sense than ever in a year like this to go with a Desmond Bain, where he's a much more polished player. You, It's very likely that he walks into this team in this situation and is a good player to start. There's not going to really be a window of uncertainty or some kind of like growing pains. Like obviously he's, he likely won't fit like a glove necessarily, right? And be a starter immediately, but he's going to give you minutes right off the bat. We've seen this with Matisse last year, where pretty much from the start of the season, there was obviously a betting in period. But from the beginning, you could see this guy belonged in the NBA. He was going to be getting NBA minutes, and he was a pretty valuable contributor. Um, you saw with Landry, he took a little bit longer, but that's, I think, his role was obviously more on the offensive side. I think we had a little bit more of a complex offense then as opposed to what we have now. Um, but even then, you know, after like the first month, he was pretty much, people were wanting him to start games. So that's the benefit. Um, Desmond Bain is a clinical shooter. He shot 43% in, in college. Um, and that was on quite a few attempts a game. 80, uh, 80% from the free throw line. Um, just a really, really all around, like good offensive contributor, which is exactly what this team needs. Um, he's probably one of the best shooters in the draft. And again, like you can pretty much like, my comp to him is Matisse, and that Matisse last year was very confident that his defensive ability was going to translate well to the NBA. Desmond Bain is the same way, but with shooting, and he also has pretty good size. I, I think this this could be a valuable role player just right off the rip, which is exactly what the Sixers need. I mean, that's, that's what they're looking for. Um, next guy up is Tyrell Terry. This is someone that I think has gotten a lot of buzz recently, and deservedly so. He's getting comped a lot to Trey Young, which is like maybe a little unfair to him, but they do have a similar frame. They have a similar kind of style. They're both kind of rangy shooters, um, just lightning and bottle type players. And this is a guy that I think of as on the board at 21. You have to seriously consider just because the ceiling is there. Um, he's young. He wasn't even necessarily projected to be a like one and done type player out of Stanford. Um, shot 41% from three, 89% from the line. That obviously like 
projects very well, especially when you shoot that well from the free throw line. We've seen it time and time again that that's a good indicator of how you'll shoot in the pros especially. Um, this would be a great spark plug to have off the bench, someone that can create his own shot, that can create offense, that can shoot effectively. This is the exact type of player that, that I think uh, the Sixers could absolutely use. It's just a question, I think, of will he even be on the board. But we don't know. I think there can be a lot of movement. I think not every, not, not every team's need is the same. Um, but this is a guy that I think of is there at 21. You have to give, I think, serious thought about, about picking up, even with, you know, say, a known quantity like Desmond Bain there, who you might even get a little later. Um, another guy is Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, out of Alabama. Another just like spark plug off the bench. There's a theme here. This is exactly what this team needs is off the bench scoring. Someone that can uh, you just handle the ball. Um, again, just another electric guy. This is a guy that's kind of projected late lottery, but I've also seen like falling into the, the, the late first, and I don't think it's that impossible that he could. Very similar to Tyrell Terry. Like I would be a little surprised if he's there at 21, but I mean, say he's there at 18 or 19, this could definitely be a, a guy that you might trade up um, and really consider moving in on if you if you believe in him. Um, I think the the larger question mark is like, what exactly is Daryl Morey thinking? Like, and who, largely who's making the decisions? Right. Because uh, that's frankly still a little unclear. Um, but again, very similar in that he's he's a good shooter. He's a good energy player. Thirty six percent from three, uh, almost eighty percent from the free throw line. Just on just under that at seventy nine point three. Um, and yeah, I just think, again, another really, really spectacular player. Um, I think the only issue you can have with him is maybe a little bit of a turnover issue. Um, you know, but again, if someone's pushing the ball that much and, and has that much usage as he did in college, you have to kind of expect that to happen. Um, but yeah, a really dynamic scorer that I think, again, exactly what the Sixers need. That's that's what we're looking at. And another guy here is uh, Cassius Winston. This is more like... A name. It is a great name. Um, this is a Michigan State product, which you know perennially just produced like good, like solid role players in the league, um, and and some even better than that, obviously. But this is a guy that I think more likely in the second round than anything. Um, you know, this this, is, this he doesn't scream first round pick, twenty one overall kind of pick to me. But this is another guy that I think is um, by all accounts like just a, a great. Um, projects to be like a great professional attitude seems to be like a real good chemistry guy seems to be like a, just a, a a good person to have around the locker room uh, a senior right uh shoots the ball pretty well shoots it at 43 percent for his career um which is i mean that's pretty good um and, especially for the sixers that's like right lights out exactly like that's that's the type of thing that's the type of thing that you want to have and he was shooting and he was taking you know almost six threes a game with that type of number so it's not even like he's he was doing it at low volume like Matisse was this is a guy that you can expect to do the same kind of thing um you know he has just kind of a good all-around game his his ceiling is definitely on the lower side but I think again if you're looking in that second round say you take a, a chance on someone at 21 or you move up if this guy's available in the second round, I think it's a good pick as just a plug-in player, you know, that, that could give you minutes in a year like this where maybe you're betting on just some experience coming out of college and, and using that to kind of develop your players because, frankly, we don't even know what's happening with the G League this year. We don't know, like, how that's going to work. We don't have a solid plan for the NBA yet, so it's <laughs> hard to say. So uh, those are names to keep in mind. Desmond Bain, Cassius Winston, Tyrell Terry, and Kyra Lewis Jr. If those guys are available. Um Again, excluding Cassius Winston mostly, but if Desmond Bain, Tyrell Terry, or Kyra Lewis Jr. is available at 21, I 
those are the three guys that I, I think are, are probably most likely. They all fit the archetype that we want, either uh, really good shooters or are going to be good like ball handlers and can you know take command of a, a second unit, which is exactly what the Sixers need. One thousand percent. You know, you bring up the G League. Blue Coats made it official today. Uh, Jameer Nelson, officially the assistant GM, who'll also be a scout with the Sixers. And I think overall, I think it's a it's a great hire one for the Blue Coats just because of his his experience. Um, and then overall, I think it's going to be good for local scouting for the Sixers. You know, with the Big Five uh, between you know Villanova, Temple. Drexel, uh, LaSalle, you know, wherever it may be, especially with Villanova with the the perennial superpower that they've been, I think Jameer coming in and and him knowing the area as well as he does having grown up here and, you know, playing here at St. Joe's, um, I I think this is a a slam dunk type of hire for the Sixers as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's an interesting guy, too. He's like one of those just, um, like, long career in the NBA. We typically see guards transition well into like, you know, management and, and coaching positions just because they have to to think so much about the game. Um and there's another name that I just wanted to throw out there for the second round. It's a guy named Isaiah Joe. He was shooting almost eleven threes a game in college and was shooting uh forty I'm sorry, thirty eight percent on those. So yeah. Not terrible. <laughs> uh, that's another like second round flyer that maybe we think about, but who knows? As long as we don't sell those picks. We will. We will absolutely (laughs) sell at least some of our second round picks. um, Or maybe we, we package them to move up because we do have like, as far as second round picks goes, we do have some more valuable ones this Mm -hmm. year. Um, So that's obviously possible, but to Jameer Nelson's credit, I think he's, he's going to be a good fit. And it seems like, you know, you don't, you're not in the league as long as he was without having a a good basketball IQ and um, understanding the game well. So it's a good to have him part of the organization. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped, you know, just with everything kind of coming as quickly as it is with the Sixers. And, you know, now all this trade talk across the NBA, it feels like, you know, they didn't skip a beat, obviously. And uh, the 72-game season getting approved, we're right around the corner from, you know, the restart. I know LeBron James was not too thrilled about it uh, via his Instagram post when it was on SportsCenter. But, um, you know, we're... Super, super close to the 2020-2021 NBA season, which for us as podcasters and people that cover the Sixers that way, it's exciting for us because we get to talk about games again and have existential dread about the Sixers breaking our hearts once again. Yeah, it's it's closer than you think, too, just because it is a quick turnaround. But again, it's it's so it's such a weird season in that you know there's half the league hasn't played a game since March. And then, you know, it's like staggered throughout mm-hmm. the bubble. You know, there's teams kind of dropping off. Um, it's going to be a very strange season. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Obviously, COVID right now is uh, drastically on the rise across the country. So that's going to be obviously something for them to have to contend with. I know, I think it was the Knicks today had a, a positive test and had to close their facility. We've seen this a lot with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference being that the NFL at least has the advantage of being outside. You know, yes. like when you're you're playing inside, like whether there's less ventilation, you know, obviously no open air, things could get more tricky in terms of transmission to other teams because we haven't seen that with the NFL where it's like, you know, X player was positive. Now we have to worry about the other team. I don't think we've seen a single time that you can definitively yeah. say, at least through contract tracing, that that other team got a positive case from whatever. Yeah, I mean, like AJ Dillon played a whole game for the Packers. 
and then the next day tested positive and nobody from the Packers opponent that week ended right. up testing positive. Which, I don't even thankfully. think anyone from the Packers did either. Yeah, um, it was just, you know, close contacts that right. had to go on the list until, you know, things were deemed safe for them to return to the so team. So we know that at least if you follow protocols within your own team that you can really eliminate the spread. Um, and that's obviously important if you're if you're talking about making a season work. But I think it's going to be a big challenge uh, for the NBA, and I'm, I'm curious to see how they go about solving it because it's a long season. You know, the NFL has the advantage in that they have one game a week, and you know they can kind of they have a little more wiggle room. The NBA is going up against like two very hard deadlines, and that um, they can't start too soon. Obviously, they have to give some you know, some break and some breathing room. They also have the draft still to do, and they still have free agency to do. Um, and they don't want to leave it too late because they want guys to be able to attend the Olympics. And they also want to make sure that next season isn't in this same limbo where it's like you have to you know, move it forward a little bit and have you know three straight years essentially of like a weird NBA season. They want to get back to a normal schedule next year. So it's a tough window for them, but you you assume that the NBA will figure it out because they've always been, I, I think, at least a pretty uh, sharp league in terms of, of and you look at what they did with the bubble you know, they're usually a standard setter with, with this type of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, another thing that we're looking forward to seeing kind of play out in our favor is uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. We learned today uh, JT Real Muto does the obvious, declines the $18.9 million qualifying offer. So he is officially official, a free agent. And now the... The, the sweepstakes is on for JT Real Muto. Uh, as Mets fans get introduced to Steve Cohen, he's tweeting it at fans, asking them what they want him to do in free agency, and he's all over Twitter. Marcus Stroman accepted the qualifying offer from the Mets today. He was a guy that I was kind of keeping my eye on if he did decline it, that the Phillies could go in and potentially get him in here as a number four or number five starter. Uh, but he's back with the Mets, and Steve Cohen tweets at him and says, hey, this is great, congratulations, looking forward to talking to you. I, John Middleton probably doesn't even know what Twitter is. No. <laughs> I think he uh, he definitely follows probably a very prominent uh, politician on Twitter and, and loves their tweets. <sighs> but <laughs> um, He gets every update from his son that's on Twitter. Yeah, I'm sure. I, it's a bummer seeing, you know, that type of uh, – that type of – thing going on within your own division and you're just sitting here waiting for for some good news um i guess the good news is that we're somehow in the francisco lindor sweepstakes which, which makes zero sense to me <laughs> um it's like every year we're just gonna try making a big trade or a big free agency signing and just praying that that works i guess um, it, it makes no sense to me with the whole lindor thing and and johnny heller tweeted this from philly's nation and it was my exact thoughts that i just didn't get a chance to tweet and then i saw johnny tweet it and i was like get out of my head bud um but johnny's great if you're not following him on twitter you should be um at johnny heller uh he said that you know with the lindor news he's he quote tweeted john morosi's report listing the Phillies along with the Mets, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Cardinals as main suitors, saying Lindor is going to be an absolute steal for the team that ultimately trades for him um, because you look at what the Red Sox got for Mookie Betts and then factor in the, you know, the fact that a majority of teams are going to be as cheap as possible this offseason. 
um, and Cleveland has virtually no leverage in this situation now. And then he follows it up saying, this was my thought that I agreed with. The Phillies definitely could trade for Lindor at a price that's probably cheaper than what most people are thinking. Uh, but it would shock me if they did. They aren't letting JT walk and then trading assets for a roughly $20 million one-year contract. It, it just doesn't make any logistical sense. It depends on if John Middleton really likes this guy. Right. <laughs> but it is John Middleton, so you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But the uh, there was there was a MLB.com beat writers kind of roundtable with uh, that included Todd Zalecki. He thinks that JT ends up with the Mets, which is horrible. Uh, and everybody continues to throw around this five-year, hundred and twenty-five million dollar kind of contract for JT. And I just continue to say to myself, if the Phillies allow JT to sign for that contract with the Mets or a divisional opponent or whoever, and they don't try to at least throw, you know, at least $10 million more on top of it and make it 130 because that's well below what I think anybody expected for JT's, like, you know, guesstimated contract to be. If the Phillies don't sign JT for five years, 125, they're doomed. Yeah, and it says a lot about just the process that they're they're going through here with like their their valuation of assets and players that you gave up what you gave to get him. And it's not like it's a sunk cost thing either, where he's not a good player. Like mm -hmm. it's a good impactful player in a position that's hard to really like get good players in. Like that was the whole appeal behind trading for JT in the first place was that it's not easy to get like you know a really good catcher. So um, to let him walk for that price to division rival would suck. Uh, especially a I divisional be, rival that has unlimited money. I'm going to be honest though. It's just, there's this weird like world that we're living in where we acknowledge that everyone's going to be super cheap this off season. Yet we're throwing out numbers like that. Not that that's like an mm -hmm. obscene number, but like, which is it? Are we like, are our right. owners going to be very frugal this summer? And we know that baseball owners typically to be of, of kind of a hive mind and all generally agree and have similar kind of practices or are people going to be throwing stupid money around? Because my bet, and I think is the right bet, is that people are going to be cheap. And I think that's already like a good deal for someone like JT. But I I think that's actually the reasoning behind the Phillies even letting the negotiations get to this point. Is that they're pretty confident that the price is going to be a lot lower than people expect. That's that's my take on it. That's my read, at least. Maybe that's just optimistic, mm -hmm. and that I'm hoping that they actually have like some thought behind what they're doing, which probably isn't true. But I just I I really do believe that um people are gonna be surprised like with Francisco Lindor. Eh? It's mm -hmm. weird how everyone else is able to trade for like studs for like dirt cheap and yep. for nothing, but we can't. I don't know. How. We have to give up our number one prospect and then cling and hope and pray that we re-sign the guy that we traded our number one prospect I don't know for. why we're so bad at this. I don't get it. <laughs> it. It also blows my mind that the Phillies have yet to interview a GM candidate. Well, it's just it's really hard, Kyle. You know, the election, the election was really tough on John Middleton. And, um, He's going through a ton of cigars. Yeah, you know, and it's just, it's, you know, you can't, you can't meet the guy in person and shake his hand and look him in the eye. You know, you get this Zoom thing. It's really, really difficult, Kyle. It's been really, really hard for these guys to just get the motivation. It's very challenging. 
You know what the the sad thing is is you know the Phillies are dealing with the whole GM situation, the JT situation, and I I heard Justin Clue say this: the Phillies aren't even going to be the biggest shit show of the of the baseball offseason because the Chicago White Sox exist. Right. <laughs> yeah. At least we'll at least we have that. I guess at least we have Joe Girardi. Yeah. Who's <laughs> who's not getting DUIs in the offseason? Uh, did you see? I don't. I don't know if it was like a, a beat reporter or what said that. Uh, Mike Ditka got a DUI in the offseason of the '85 Bears season, and they won a Super Bowl. So naturally, uh, the Whites <laughs> like South Side. What an absolutely just like that, loony that's, thing to say. That's whatever the like ante- antithetical. Of galaxy brain, Ooh. like whatever, like black hole brain, I guess. Dumpster brain. Yeah, like it's just like, how did you like make that connection and why? <laughs> Good, great. whatever. Man, That's Chicago, I guess they don't have much to deep dish pizza brain. Listen, <laughs> if that's what eating deep dish pizza gets to you, I, I don't, don't want any part of it. It's you know what it is. It's their no ketchup on hot dogs rule, which is an obscene thing. Like get over it. Yes, the, the, grow up. People from Chicago will put. Everything on a hot dog but ketchup. Like, you're an adult. Put ketchup on the Grow hot dog. Up. Like, you're going to put a whole uh, pickle on it, but you won't put, like, a Dump little a dab of ketchup. Of fries and... Ketchup is the hot dog condiment. Yes. It is like... Amen. I, I could not agree more. Um, But, yeah. So, we're not even going to get credit for the most shit show off season because the White Sox... Um, Alec Bohm got snubbed for Rookie of the Year Stupid. by a relief pitcher. And we all know if this was a, a full season of games, not a 60-game shortened season, this doesn't happen. Because how does a guy that doesn't pitch even every fifth day, doesn't pitch every day, doesn't play every day, get the Rookie of the Year votes over a guy who came in from the minors, was a top three draft pick, and immediately injected life into a lineup. Like, it's not even like you can make the argument that the Brewers were like a playoff team over the Phillies. The, you know, Devin Williams, he went 4-1. and one. He had a .33 ERA. Sure, that's very impressive. But he only played 22 games. It's stupid. <laughs> it's 27 innings. 27 innings he was out That's there. so dumb. It, it's... What are you going to do that, you know? It's... I, I almost like it in the sense that this is like a, a chip on the shoulder thing for him, maybe. You know, and like, I think he's already he's already great, and we all recognize that. And I think in true Philly fashion, we will just uh, stick our thumbs up at this and just move on. And it'll become like... It'll become a, a narrative and a storyline for us now that'll give us like... Great joy in two years when we can bring up that he got snubbed for his rookie of the year. But yeah, when he's winning silver sluggers and it's it's gold like, gloves. It's and... like the Chase Utley is better than Derek Jeter thing. It's like we oh, know yeah, it absolutely, and like people know it, but no one ever wants to say it because it's like well, it was Derek Jeter. Sacrilege! Like, don't care. Like Chase Utley is me with that. by far the better player. But you know what? Just let it be. Because in our hearts, we know Alec Bohm nominated for the All MLB team too. Yeah, I don't know how you can be on a list like that but not be rookie of the year. Yeah. Like, it just... Make it make sense. does not make a whole lot of sense to That's me. That's why the Baseball Writers Association of America 
needs to that's talk I, about calling the herd man <laughs> we i have discussed this with a number of people in the media especially like lacrosse media people where we need you know you have your your writers associations that vote on all the we need a podcast you need a digital media vote as well with the way that sports have gone you see all of you know the youtube twitch podcasting uh you know videos instagram t- like all this content that gets produced from very good content creators why don't we you know people in this so medium saying, also have you're a saying vote. give john boy a vote is what you're saying. <laughs> oh i mean john boy absolutely deserves yeah a vote. i i agree because I, I think i think baseball has a lot of issues and one of them is that a lot of baseball writers are older white dudes that get very like sanctimonious about the game mm-hmm. and it's just stupid and pointless and just it it holds the sport back it really does because there's too many times where it's either not so subtle racism about players or it's just like holding grudges holding and- grudges and like oh it's the unwritten rule of the game it's like well like if it actually mattered they'd write it yep it would <laughs> like, be written in stone it's just it's just stupid stuff like that that i think makes people get really sick of baseball very quickly because it's like our whole lives we've had to listen to these people and it's like get over it it's america's pastime it's a great sport but jesus christ <laughs> like up. it's 2020 we got to start moving on <laughs> uh let's talk about some positivity because the one thing keeping philly sports alive looking well and thriving is our philadelphia union yes bringing home the sporter shield that they had to uh makeshift because it got delayed in the mail so they used a true captain america shield um not a bad stand-in either not at all it looked great but shout out to the union bringing home hardware Shout out for to the first time to two Philly teams ending long droughts by beating a New England team. That's, yes, that's what it's all about. That's so I'm I'm not the most educated when it comes to the MLS. I do follow the games and and follow. What exactly is the supporter shield? Because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners that don't yeah. know either. That's it's essentially like the award for best regular season team. Um, you see this a lot, like with, with the President's Trophy and. Um, in hockey okay see where you have like the most points at the end of the year it's it's the same type of thing um and it's weird because soccer is like typically in other leagues it's like who's ever number one at the end of the year wins the league but mm-hmm. then there's other comp cup competitions so now obviously the union will be involved in the playoffs but yeah it's 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 a big deal because you know it's it's obviously hard to achieve and it it promotes the idea that like you've been so consistent over the the course of the year you've been the best team in the league you know, here's here's your award for that, basically. Um, and it's it's meaningful because the union... I think if you had asked a union fan, like, was, which trophy are you likely to win? This, this is probably at the bottom of the list. Just because it's 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 hard to be the best team in the league. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. So, yeah, it's, um, it's obviously a great achievement. And now you're just looking towards the playoffs. And similar to the Super Bowl run, uh, it's all going to have to run through Philly. And we've actually gotten a, a pretty favorable... Um, kind of side of the bracket where a lot of the more difficult matchups we wouldn't meet till a potential conference final. Um, and we obviously play the lowest seed of the playing matches between New England and Montreal and Nashville and Miami. Um, out of those, like it would be f- nice to beat New England again um, because they've been the team we've probably beat up on the most. 
think the team I'd want to see least is probably Miami, just because they've grown over the course of the, the season so far um, and look to be a pretty good team, although there's questions if some of their players will be back from international break because COVID's a thing and you have to isolate after your travel and things like that. So that could get messy, but yeah, we'll, we'll find out um, you know, after uh, next week about who we're actually playing in this first round. But when you have home field advantage for all the playoffs and you're undefeated at home, that's a pretty good situation to find yourself in. Yeah, and it was one of the things that Brennan Aronson said. He wanted to bring a trophy home before he, he left, um, and he did just that. And you, you look at the amount of homegrown guys on this team, I think it, it's massively impressive that the Union were able to do what they did during the regular season this year um, with just the amount of homegrown talent and just the way that the homegrown talent was developed. Like, they, the homegrown guys were truly, like, the core of this team that helped bring a lot of magical moments throughout the regular season, and I don't think that can be uh, overstated enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's been the storyline of this team. Um, obviously, Brennan Anderson taking a lot of that limelight. He's up for, what, like, a Young Player of the Year award, which probably lose out to Rossi, which is pretty fair, if you ask me, considering the season that he's had. But yeah, I mean, you know, you have guys like Mark McKenzie as well, who's also up for uh, Defender of the Year award. Like, if you look at the the awards, there it could be a union sweep. It probably won't, because I think there's other some other really deserving players. Andre Blake is up for MVP and also up for uh, Goalkeeper of the Year, which is really cool. Um, it's kind of funny to, like, if he lose goalkeeper of the year, but he's also an MVP candidate, like it, he should win one of those. He probably won't win MVP, but should definitely be in for uh, goalkeeper of the year. And um, he deserves it. And it'll also be in some ways kind of a, you know, career achievement for him uh, based on how good he's been over the the years here. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not shocking to me that, that any of those players could, or Jim Kern could win coach of the year. Like you could tell me any of those guys win. And I, I don't know that I'd be super shocked. Um, but yeah, it could be could be all union at the awards, and hopefully, you know, we can end this with a cup as well. That'd be that obviously be the great the greatest send off for for Brendan and um, as we move forward. And it could be also like Mark McKenzie, his future's up in the air as well. There's a lot of stuff with Celtic over the summer, so we'll see if if that materializes in January. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a, a really really fun ride in the next few weeks. And I think a lot of people, if you would have told them. Five years ago, Jim Curtin would be up for coach of the year. They would have called you crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely um, uh, a very maligned coach. <laughs> and as it's turned around, I think he deserves credit for that. And I think he, he definitely deserves to have coach of the year simply because of how, how just incredibly consistent the union have been over the season too. You know, like they obviously had a, a not so great start all the way back in March, but that's forever ago at this point, honestly. You look all the way through the the MLS's back tournament to now, it's been really, really good performances and hasn't been a situation where, you know, you had, you know, two or three bad games and then you strung together four or five straight wins. It's just been wins across the board with, with some drops here and there. It's been an incredibly smooth performance from them and just steady. And, you know, add to that as well that you've been improving each time. Now you're adding Corey Burke as well, which is which is a huge addition to be able to make it this time of year and have him back uh, with the team is is, is going to be, I think, really important. And he's come up clutch since he's been back. Right. You know, obviously, like the the, the icing goal pretty much against the revolution to, to make sure the supporter shield was, was going to be in Philadelphia. And, um, yeah, I, I think 
everywhere you look, there, there's talent with this team. And I think Curtin deserves credit for, I think, tactically how this team is set up this year. Um, obviously, they've leaned on someone like Andre Blake. But when you have a goalkeeper like that, you can afford to you know, play a little more counterattack and you know expose yourself a little bit and and have a midfield that only has you know Martinez staying back and everyone else pushing forward you can take those risks when you have some like Blake in that yeah um, I'm super pumped for the union uh moving forward congratulations taking home the the trophy and as their Twitter bio says from uh Mr. Bedoya himself put some respect on our name um because the union absolutely deserved it and we've been saying it for it seems like months now. If you're not paying attention to this team, you're missing out on a lot of fun uh, and a team that's winning right now wholeheartedly. So shout out to the union uh, for putting on for the city right now because they're doing an absolutely fantastic job. And like Matt said, hopefully they bring home some more uh, you know, hardware with these uh, award finalists uh, candidates that they have. Andre Blake up for MVP, goalkeeper of the year. Brendan Aronson for young player of the year. Mark McKenzie at Defensive Player of the Year, and then Jim Curtin, obviously, for Coach of the Year. So hopefully uh, maybe more than one would be uh, pretty awesome. But even if it's just one of those, be really awesome to see. Um, but I think that's all we got for you guys. Make sure you are following us on social media, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You get show clips on both of those now, uh, thanks to our amazing local sponsors for us you know, being able to upgrade our equipment and everything. You get those show clips, and uh, that is brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Make sure you guys check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. You know, with the draft right around the corner, we'll have some draft previews for some of the guys that Matt brought up tonight. Uh, we'll, you know, once we figure out who the draft pick is, we'll do some deep dives on that and a whole bunch of other content going up on there as well. We have our, you know, every, every week we got the fantasy football blogs coming out, the gambling blog usually out on Sunday morning. So underground sports, Philadelphia.com is the place to be the masters start tomorrow. Uh, very excited for November masters. It's going to be a lot of fun. The Masters preview of the Get in the Hole podcast is up right now, so make sure you check that out at Get in the Hole Pod. And uh, we got some giveaways cooking up over at Streamer Season, Streamer SZN. Make sure you follow over there so you don't miss out on the giveaway. It is hashtag Netflix November, what we're doing over there. And then December might kick off uh, Happy Hulu Days. So that's why you got to be following so you don't miss out. Um, you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how you're feeling about the Sixers' new uniforms. Uh, if you like them, you hate them, you're in between and different, whatever it may be. How you're feeling about potentially James Harden uh, wanting out of Houston. Let us know how you're feeling about the union. And, of course... Tell everybody that you want JT resigned. Leave it in your in the Apple Podcast reviews. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too. And we know those standards are five stars. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, SoundCloud. And of course, you can watch the show live here, twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Hit the follow button. We're three followers away on Twitch from 150. 
And once we hit 250 followers, we're going to start getting some Twitch emotes made, some some fun stuff made. So uh, twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI so you can watch the show live. And uh, we'll be back with another episode breaking down Eagles Giants. Eagles enemies should be up later this week as they get set for another showdown with the Giants. Uh, Violent High School football has Thursday night football again. Uh, so I should be on the call in the booth at Gatone Stadium for that. Another episode of the Dan Russo Show will be up tomorrow as well. And uh, we're just pumping out content here as uh, we're almost halfway through November. Oh, also, congratulations to Philly sports fan and president-elect Joe Biden. <laughs> the, uh, the, the tweet of the century was from Colleen Wolf, uh, January 20th. Philadelphia Eagles fan will have the keys to the nuclear codes. <laughs> oh boy. Eagles Don't Cowboys over the next four years is going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Um, but congratulations to president elect Joe Biden and uh, vice president elect Kamala Harris. Uh, we got an Eagles Sixers Phillies and Flyers fan in the white house. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, oh boy. Also shout out to the homies at Tomahawk shades. Use our promo code USP to save 25% off your order at checkout. And all orders, $75 and over, qualify for free shipping. And, of course, our friends at Manscaped, manscaped.com. Enter the code USP at checkout. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping from our friends at Manscaped. And we got some other things in the works right now, sponsor-wise. Very excited for some things that might be unraveling in 2021. So that's why you got to follow us on social to stay up to date with everything. Uh, but this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 282. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Wear a mask. Stay safe. And uh, coming up next on twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI, week six of Elite TC TGC Tours with the one and only Steven Schneider. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.